the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on the Dynamic Hypnotics and their classic hit from the 80s, Soul Kind of Feeling. Our special guest is the band's frontman, Continental Robert Seuss. Formed in Sydney in 1979, the Dynamic Hypnotics would go on to become one of the most popular soul bands in the land. Led by charismatic lead singer Continental Robert, he of the falsetto voice and James Brown-like dance moves, there's not many chart toppers who can do the splits like Robert can. After some initial changes, the band's lineup settled as Robert, guitarist Andrew Silver, Bruce Allen on sax, drummer Robbie Souter, and bass player Alan Britton. The Dynamic Hypnotics first came to the attention of music lovers with the song Hypnobeat. Continental Robert wrote the song while in a band called the Rugcutters. Playing a regular pub gig in Paddington, the Rugcutters didn't impress one music critic. The reviewer's negativity gave Robert the idea for the song. It came about because we got a review in this like local like magazine. Because before us there was like a jazz band playing there, and it was like a jazz review. And he, you know, he didn't like us. He didn't like the Rugcutters because. We're like a more like a blues R and B band, but he described our music. It had like a relentless hypnotic beat, and I thought that was great. Actually, even though it was like a, a bad review, I, I liked that description. So they thought I'll make up the song about the hypno beat, and it, it was. But when I was thinking of when I was writing, I thought I'd try and make it sort of like a a Bo Diddley tune, you know, because he is like famous for those yeah sort of hypnotic Bo Diddley beats. But it just morphed into a different thing, which was probably good. <laughs> you know, pretty baby, I'm the hypno man. I want to dance you with my hypno hand. I want to kill you with my hypno lip. When you shake your hypno hip. When you roll your hypno eyes. It's too late, baby, I'm hypnotized. Hypno 
The review of the rug cutters may have not been kind. However, Continental Robert wrote a song that became a fan favourite at dynamic hypnotic gigs. And while it didn't set the charts alight in Australia, Hypnobeat travelled around the world. It sort of got around because, uh, you know, it turned up on in Spain in like a disco compilation album. And and uh, I remember our manager back then, our early manager, was over in New York and he, <laughs> he was in this big disco, like one of those like, famous disco, and all of a sudden on on the – on this video screen, they st- and they started playing hypno beat, <laughs> and he went, "Wow, you know, this is in New York. It never got released, of course, in in America. I don't know how it, it came about being there, but he went up to the DJ after, and he said, "Oh, that that tune you just played, I, I managed that band." And the DJ just looked at him and just said, "Yeah, so what?" <laughs> so. Anyway, that's that's a bit of a claim to fame. We got played in a disco in New York. Having Soviet tanks in your backyard is a long way from fronting one of Australia's most popular soul bands. Well, I was born in Hungary and uh, 1955. <laughs> so we came out, yes, when a lot of Hungarians came out. So we were the, like uh, the boat people of that time when the, the USSR came in and, you know, and there was all tanks and everything in Budapest. And, yeah, so we escaped across the border and I was I was only like two years old when we got to Australia. So I haven't really got any memories, but I've heard stories of like there's tanks in the backyard and stuff and me I wanted to go and talk to the guy in the tank and we got pulled back by my brother or or mother or someone and and apparently I was a real uh, hassle when we were escaping across the border to to Austria, you know, to Vienna, and you know, people, there was, you know, people out there shooting and stuff. And my mum was pretty sick, I think. Um, but unless she was carrying me, I'd start squealing and crying. So even though she was sick, I, she had to carry me, so we'd be quiet because we had to be quiet. So <laughs> that's how I kept hearing about that. How what a bastard I was! <laughs> but we made it. <laughs> Australia wasn't so multicultural when the Sue's family arrived. Well, when I was a kid, I must nothing really happened. Maybe like yeah, you know, people people you know call you a wog and stuff. But I remember even when I was like a, maybe four or five or six years old, I'd be like with my mum going shopping, and she'd bump into a friend. They start talking Hungarian together. And I'd be looking around to see, hopefully no one can hear this. I was scared. <laughs> you know, I was sort of embarrassed, just stupidly, because no one ever took any notice. But I remember just feeling like, oh, no, don't, don't speak Hungarian in front of people. But, <laughs> but yeah, nothing really bad happened. But just sort of like, yeah, I did have it in the back of my mind, yeah, just, you know, want to be you know, taken for, an, you know, an Australian. So... Yeah, I remember actually one thing I had we, when I started, like, would have been just in first class or second class in primary school. I had this, like, beanie from Hungary <laughs> that my, I started to wear to school. My mum made me put it on. It had, like, a little pom-pom on the top and it tied under the chin. And it was, like, really embarrassing to wear it 
<laughs> so one day I sort of lost it on purpose for me. But on the Monday, you know, you know, you'd have assembly when you get to school, like before the mission. And they had lost and found. And unfortunately, someone had found it. And they just held it up. They, who's, is anyone, is, can claim this? And so the people like Twitter of laughing around. And I, I didn't claim it, but it seemed like it went on for hours before they put it back down again. <laughs> Growing up in Sydney, Continental Robert came across James Brand on TV one day and his life changed forever. Uh, I remember now seeing people like James Brown on the TV, on the Tanny Show. I don't know if, if you've ever seen that, but it was back in like in the 60s. I remember we used to see it when I was at school and it used to come out in the summer holidays on the on the, on the TV for some reason when it was off peak, you know, and they just play these random things. And it was this big, like long show. I think Tammy was for teenage American music industry. But it's mainly these soul artists like, uh, you know, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, and it was Ike and Tina Turner then, and Bo Diddley was on it. It was great. And, you know, Chuck Berry, whatever. But I remember that that was the first time I really saw James Brown live, and it it was we still had the famous Flames, the backup singers, and he had that whole band, and they were playing live, did about six tunes with – you know, all like really amazing dancing, like doing the James Brown, like, you know, the mashed potatoes, like supercharged mashed potatoes and sliding sideways and look like, and doing the splits and fainting and the guy had come out and put the cape on him and they had a big studio audience of mainly like black kids and they like going crazy. And I felt, wow. And then... After James Brown, the Rolling Stones came out. And, uh, you know, I was quite a big fan of the Rolling Stones, but after James, watching James Brown just do that, it just, they seemed a bit sort of like dinky. <laughs> like, like there was, uh, yeah, uh, do, you know, do, Mick Jagger just looked like he was sort of doing this dance sort of in slow motion after watching James Brown doing all that wild stuff and the the great band and everything. But they still went over great, of course, like with their crowd. But, yeah, just watching all that, you know, that inspired, you know, wouldn't it be great to be able to perform in front of people and, and you know, do all that kind of get the crowd to go crazy. And that was sort of an ambition to try and do that. Maybe occasionally it happened on a, a, a lesser scale. <laughs> but, yeah, that, like on the James Brown set, there was no breaks. You know, even I bought his Live at the Apollo albums and just as soon as one song had finished, they'd go into some riff between before the next song would start. And so it was just like one nonstop musical experience. So we, we used to work out this little – we used to do the Funky Turban which was actually the flip side, it might have been the flip side of the hypno beat, I think. Now I want you to really play that Hammond turban and play it real fine. And that used to be our little riff. We just, as soon as the song was over, 
the Robbie the drummer would go and go into the roof of uh, of of the funky turban, and that was sort of our homage to James Brown to keep everything going. When the Dynamic Hypnotics formed in 1979, their smooth, soulful style meant they stood out on the Aussie pub rock scene. Yeah, yeah, and it was like that sort of 80s sound back then too, which, had, you know, so, yeah, we, we sort of stuck out like a sore thumb, I guess, a bit. <laughs> we are playing sort of like a soul-influenced music. And, yeah, we, we, what, we just recorded, a, I think it was like about half a dozen tunes just on our own in Melbourne in a studio, a little studio. And so we, we tried to sort of shop it around uh, to the different record companies and the only uh, only Mushroom got back to us and gave us this two single deal and they really loved I'll Make You because it was you know had a, you know it was a sort of poppy sound feel good And the deal was, yeah, they wanted to put that out. And then after, for the second single, we could just, whatever we want to put out, we'll, we can do it. And they said, oh, you know, this will break you. You know, you'll get heaps of airplay and everything that'll make you. And then, you know, that'll set you up for the next one. <laughs> and of course, the usual happened, like we put it out and never got played once on like a commercial station. It might have got played in like, community stations and stuff like that but so anyway then uh, they said okay well what do you want to do for the next one and we said like soul kind of feeling and they, they were a bit hesitant first they say you sure you know anyway because that was a that was the agreement they let us put it out and it was the biggest biggest selling of their record, actually the biggest selling Australian produced record of that year, like 1985 or 84, 85. So then we're in the good books. <laughs> Here's how Soul Kind of Feeling came about. I remember sort of walking down the road and I had, had an idea like the sort of feel for it and like, you know, maybe like the the horn, like da, 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 that kind of thing. And I was, try, I was thinking, you know, about, you know, the words like, and I was going like, kind of soul feeling. And it was so, uh, and then like, anyway, after just walking around a couple of days, you know, with that in my head, I just, maybe I start seeing soul kind of feel. No, like, yeah, that's better. And anyway, after that, I just sort of sat down and, and uh, the keyboard I had, and, and then it all just sort of came together like in a, like five minutes after walking around for a few days just trying to think of like a a, a chorus. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just about music in general, like, I, I guess, like, you know, just how you can have sort of magic music, you know, whatever music you're into, it can lift your spirits no matter what, you know, you might be like, you know, in the first verse, you, know, you might be alone in your room or at a party with people you don't know or whatever. Just, if you suddenly hear a, a song that, you know, you you love, then you straight away put you in a good mood. And the second verse, I guess, is just 
Well, some favorite soul tunes I used to, the titles of soul tunes that I loved, you know, like uh, my girl talking about my girl, stand by me, you send me, all that. So that was, and that was that's the whole idea of the song. <laughs> soul kind of feeling was starting to take shape. Back then, I just had like a, you know, a little. I'd, I'd record, I'd sort of record my ideas on a cassette player, and I'd play everything on there. You know, on that keyboard, like the bass of boom, 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 boom. Actually, when I first thought of it, I, I put in a skip, it had sort of a skip in the beat, like boom, 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 like that little skip there. And after a while, the drummer said, Ah, you sure you want to do that? Like, you know, in a nice way. He said, You didn't like it, that having that in it. And Robbie Suda was a drummer. And I went, oh yeah, okay. And then I so I just cut it out with boom, 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 and it's probably a good idea not to do that skip. <laughs> anyway, so but yeah, basically, I just record all the different bits and like the chord changes, like, and just play it to everybody. At the we used to back then rehearse like every Monday and Tuesday at at Bruce Allen the saxophone player's place, and. Yeah, that's how we just sort of nut out the tunes. But basically, I had all the ideas for the all the little chord changes and the, and the horn line. I just played on the harmonica, and probably Bruce would embellish it, like you know, like in the verses that dun, 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 like add the harmonies for the other horns to play and stuff like that. So yeah, but the, generally it was like pretty much how I, I imagined that it, it should be. <laughs> From getting no airplay with their previous single, I'll Make You, once released, Soul Kind of Feeling was soon on high rotation at virtually every radio station across Australia. I'm pretty sure the first time we heard her on the radio was we were on tour somewhere in in Bruce's Kingswood that where we used to drive all five of us in his car, some, you know, probably maybe on the way to Brisbane or somewhere up the, the Pacific Highway. And... It came out, came on the radio in the car. I was like, wow. And then, you know, we started hearing it more and more. And yeah, I think it was like uh, Triple M, which was the big commercial radio station in Sydney, first started playing it. And yeah, then people started buying it. So I was like, wow, you know, wow, this is something new that's never happened before. So that was, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And then I remember even walking around where I lived. <laughs> You know, there'd be like a amusement parlor there, and they have a, du- a a jukebox, and someone would have put it up, put it on the jukebox, and I go, "Wow, I can hear it playing." And I look in to see if anyone's like, you know, tapping their feet or you know, grooving to it <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, that was all very exciting for me. When it came to the charts and hitting the top spot, Soul Kind of Feeling reached number one in all Australian states. However, they were never all at the same time, so on the national charts it reached number four. Whatever the chart position, the Dynamic Hypnotics were now one of the most popular bands in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you, like you said, it was just never quite uh, hit at the same time in all the different areas of the, the, the nation, but yeah, when you added them all together, it was the, yeah, the biggest, uh, biggest and the most played one, the Gold Apple Award of uh, 1985, I think, or 86, for the most played record on the 
most performed on, you know, radio, TV, whatever. So that would, that made a complete difference from the usual thing, like the least performed. Uh, we, we probably would have won the least performed tunes on radio in the years before that. <laughs> but they, there was no prize for the least performed. <laughs> now they were in the big time, the Dynamic Hypnotics got to share the stage with music royalty. Actually, early on, we, we got to support, like, Joe Cocker, too, on his tour, and uh, and that was pretty crazy. Like, uh, so I enjoyed that because, you know, that we were going to do a sound check and they'd have, like, uh, catering supplies, so we got free lunches, too, and stuff like that. So that was that was very pleasing for me. <laughs> Joe Cocker's tours of Australia are legendary. He was even once deported by the federal government when busted with some pot. When the band attended a party for Joe, the guest of honour wasn't as animated as his guests had hoped. At the end of the tour in Melbourne, the promoter put on a party for him. It was his, actually it was his birthday and uh, it was in this big house in Melbourne and he, he was there, of course, and we went. And uh, But he was pretty either tired or smashed. <laughs> but he just came down the steps, for, you know, in the middle of the party and sat in his chair for, you know, maybe 15 minutes, just like half asleep, and then wandered back up the stairs again, and that was it. Like, we didn't, re- didn't really talk to him or anything, but just sort of looked over in his direction. <laughs> Joe Cocker may not have been the life of the party, but on stage he was, well, Joe Cocker, and Continental Robert got to watch this masterwork at close quarters. Yeah, yeah, it was just amazing to you know, get to see all the shows too and everything. So, yeah, and yeah, he was like one of my heroes when I was a kid. Like, you know, in the Woodstock, which came out in 1969, or if I'm going to see that at high school, he was one of my you know, favorite acts on on the, that concert, you know, on the, on the movie. And, you know, Sly and the Family Stone, too. So I remember they were the two, like, wow, you know, they sort of really blew me away the, on, on that uh, movie. So, yeah, it was great to actually end up playing on the same bill as him. Throughout his musical journey, Continental Robert has got to play with many of his heroes. And actually, later on in my band, after the dynamic hypnotics, the Mighty Reapers, we got to play with a lot of my heroes. We were actually the, the band for the... So not only we were actually backing them up, like people like Big J McNally, the sax player... Margie Evans, a great blues soul singer. All these people had, you know, their records when I was like, you know, collecting all these blues R&B soul uh, albums. So that was an amazing experience too. And to work, you know, to actually work with these guys. And one guy we played with uh, was this guy, Louisiana Red, who's like a real down-home blues guy and and uh, also I had, had a few of his records and uh, we had a rehearsal with him in this back bar in the, the Breach Hotel where where we were going to play that night in the in the main in the main bar and we went we had a rehearsal and we probably was there for one one and a half two hours went through about a dozen tunes but then we got to the to the showtime at night and he'd start playing you know he wouldn't call a tune or anything or he'd just start playing guitar he played guitar and sang 
and we look at each other and what's this what's this what's this started playing and we just have to work out the key and just join in and follow him and we played for about a, you know an hour before we actually did a tune we rehearsed we just like and that was a great experience because he just did whatever he felt like at the moment he was like a, the real deal like he would just play what he felt and didn't matter but luckily, we were pretty familiar with all that kind of music, so we could follow him pretty well. So I thought we did quite good. Flying by the seat of your pants while playing live on stage is sure to make you up your game. It's certainly sink or swim. Yeah, well, that, especially uh, yeah, when it first, like like the, from the first tune when we like we just met him that afternoon and went through those tunes and just thinking, all right, now we just got to be on our toes, just. Yeah, don't panic. Just, but like I said, everyone was quite familiar with you know, and you you hear you hear some kind of riff, and you know, well, oh, it's going to be this kind of tune, so we'd follow it. And like I said, it worked out well, and that, it, it teaches you a lot. And all the all the people like that, they you know, we, we played with like we played with Hubert, someone who was a guitarist for Howling Wolf. When he came up with all those great tunes, he, like Hubert someone was actually came up with all those riffs and everything. And uh, who else we played with? That Lucky Peterson, he was a great organ player and guitarist and great singer. And yeah, Margie Evans, none of them had set lists that you know you'd know what's coming up. They just at least they would usually call that a tune. <laughs> but Louisiana Red was the extreme. He just wouldn't call out anything. He'd just start playing. Come on, this is what I'm doing now. Come in. <laughs> the Dynamic Hypnotics followed up the huge success of Soul Kind of Feeling with another great song, Gotta Be the Wrong Way to Love. The song reached number seven on the Australian charts. I was quite proud of that tune too. So, yeah, whatever it did. Like the way I, I see it, like there's heaps of artists and tunes that I love and, you know, I was I wish I could, you know, was that good. And they you know, never even ever had a hit, even though I love the tunes. So I don't, I don't sort of think of it that as long as you like the tune yourself and you're happy with the way you, you performed and recorded, that's the main thing. But, of course, if it's a big hit, it's even better. <laughs> when a relationship ends for a songwriter, the best they can hope for is for a good song to come out of it. The Dynamic Hypnotics got another top 10 hit, We've Got to Be the Wrong Way to Love. Uh, I think it's just from an, a broken-hearted experience <laughs> the, 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 uh, that happened to me, but to come up with their, like, you know, lyrics and everything. And... It was supposed to, yeah, I, I just thought, you know, it was more like a, to me, it was supposed to be like sort of this, like a 70s style, like like Bobby Womack or, or Curtis Mayfield type feel I wanted to try. And so I loved all that kind of stuff too. Just uh, do something that was in that vein. That was like basically all, and just come up with, you know, the, you know the feel and the changes and it and yeah i don't think about things much i just go, whatever comes into my brain who's the band tonight hep 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 dynamic hypnotic hypnotic hypnotic
Kind of Feeling is an evergreen classic, and the song's popularity continues to this day, especially in the aisles of supermarkets and hardware stores across the country. Well, the strangest thing is even now, with Soul Kind of Feeling, just going to the supermarket, and, you know, they, they have that pipe music going, and I was walking on all of a sudden, Soul Kind of Feeling comes in. It's a big hit in Coles and Woolworths. I can tell you they play it quite regularly when I'm in there. So that's pretty strange. I still look around to see if oh, it's anyone. <laughs> I think I tried and maybe mention it to the checkout chick to see if I can get a discount. Oh, you know, they're playing my tune up there. <laughs> but I, I, I haven't worked up the courage to say that. <laughs> so how did Robert Sue's go on to become Continental Robert? Well, I must admit I gave it to myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just thought, oh, well, you know, because like all my heroes, you know, you know, they had some kind of name, like a title, like, or not, you know, just like, say, Muddy Waters, you know, Little Walter, Bo Diddley, uh, uh, Big Joe Turner, they all had some kind of things. So I thought, oh, okay, oh, for sh- that'd be a good thing to have for showbiz. I'll, I'll be Continental Robert and just the excuse that I was born in Hungary was good enough. And it's, it works. People always ask me, why are you called Continental Robert? <laughs> Sadly, drummer Robbie Suda passed away in 2017. Continental Robert can still be found gigging about the place and he has no plans to retire anytime soon. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's the dynamic hypnotics with soul kind of feeling.
for listening to awesome Aussie songs. Thanks to Robert for your time and thanks to the Dynamic Hypnotics for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it girl.
I know. 